1: Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody,
2: welcome in to Go Fight Win, the show with all the high school football stories you love. On this episode, I'll speak with Matt Stinchcomb. He's a college football Hall of Famer, former first round NFL draft pick. You can see him on the SEC Network today. He's going to tell us all about how his football team had an unofficial chicken mascot, and uh, how one of his coaches used to carry telephone poles on his shoulders. He says it's true. I'll believe him. You be the judge. Coffee Town football also returns as the boys take on Strong Birch in the home opener. You don't want to miss that. And we'll hop around the country. A lot of West Coast stories this week with some of the most absurd and inspiring high school football headlines I saw over the last few days. It's time for Go Fight Win. Put that
3: mouthpiece in. Let's go.
2: Oh, yeah, it is time for Go Fight Win. I'm your host, Wes Blankenship. Appreciate y'all being here. This is Episode 4. The show is growing slowly but surely. Go ahead and hit like and subscribe if you haven't already done so. Make sure this thing is in your queue every Thursday when it drops, whether you want to watch it on YouTube or listen along on all those Uh, audio podcast platforms out there, you can have it. It's yours for free. Other ways you can support this show, support the Coffee Town brand. Go over to gocoffeetown.com. We got t-shirts, we got mugs, got hats. If you want to wear something or drink out of something, it is all there for you. Or sign up for a premium membership. Get yourself a customized Coffee Town jersey with your name and number on it like I'm wearing today. We'll start our story headlines out west and we're going to go more and more west as these stories go along starting out here in colorado though and if this story don't light your fire your wood's wet this story is out of the otis telegraph the friendly voice of washington county and otis high school taking on brigsdale so a uh, a brigsdale player by the name of carlos valdez caught his first touchdown pass in his career he's a sophomore and that's an exciting moment for anyone but it's even more incredible when you learn that Carlos Valdez is a double amputee. He was a child when he was in a boating accident, according to the Otis Telegraph, and he lost both of his legs and he gets in the game, steams down pretty big. So yes, it is a touching moment uh, where Otis was allowing Briggsdale to run this play. Not going to look over that. Uh, If you're cynical about that, this isn't the story for you. You can go ahead and Find something else to listen to. I don't care that it was uh, a sweet moment that the other team agreed to because I'm glad that it happened. I'm glad it happened for Carlos. I'm glad it happened for us. So here's the story: uh, Carlos's touchdown was set up on a 30-yard run by fellow sophomore Thyson Tolbert. Wow, what a name! And Carlos says, uh, "When the coach called my number to go in, I was so nervous but super excited." Whew. Aren't we all? You get that first call. You get that shot to go play. I mean, even practice sometimes. Uh, some, some players out there don't even get to practice. They're so buried on the depth chart. But Carlos gets his number called, and he's ready to go in. So he gets a few chances here. This is the story within the story. First down, pass heads Carlos's way. Incomplete. He drops the ball. Second down, Carlos is wide open at the goal line. Great pass. Carlos can't bring it in. So now on third down, the pressure is mounting, okay? Carlos has this moment, a moment that many people would love to have, a touchdown in a high school football game. You kidding me? He knows he can't mess it up. Carlos says, I was so nervous. But guess what? He wasn't too nervous to mess this one up. When I caught it, it was so exciting, and everyone came out on the field and picked me up and started to throw me around and everyone was giving me high fives. All right. I know y'all are excited, but let's, you know, let's take it easy on Carlos. Okay. He's going through a lot. He's really excited. But the coolest part about this was it wasn't just his Briggsdale teammates. It was the Otis football team too. both teams out there in the end zone celebrating with Carlos. How cool is that, man? The tough thing about Carlos's completion, his uh, reception, I should say, Because of his accident, his right and left arms can't communicate with each other. So the ball was thrown at his bicep, and he just kind of mosses it in there with one hand. Just to make this thing even sweeter. Uh, The reporter actually quotes himself, which you don't see too often. He says, in this reporter's opinion, quote, It was in all my years covering sports the best display of love, admiration, and sportsmanship to a fellow player. Man, I know it gets dusty out there in the desert, but I think I got some in the studio here today. My eyes are sweating. Um, Carlos goes on. It was hard at first. Then I realized I can't stop because life is not going to stop for me. Life is going to continue. And I don't want to slow down or be held back. So I've got to keep up with life and keep going. Amen, man. Don't stop. Anything that comes my way, I just deal with it as it comes and keep pursuing it through. Man, that's a sophomore in high school. Now think about that, man. Carlos learned to ride horses at age five. In 2018, he learned to snow ski. His long-term goal is to be a neurosurgeon. But don't tell me that uh, high school football doesn't rank up there in the lifetime achievements of Carlos Valdez, man. He did it. He caught a touchdown. He got it done. Carlos says his favorite subjects at school are science and lunch. He says lunch isn't a subject. It is. You try hard enough at it. It is. You know, the Bible tells us if you're going to give something to somebody, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. I know Carlos maybe wishes that those two could communicate from time to time, but he didn't need them to to catch this touchdown. And he gave us all a lot to appreciate, a lot to be inspired by with that story, man. Can't stop. Carlos isn't letting that stop him either. Good job, Carlos. All right. Next one. Not so much a feel good story if you're Carlos Hurtado, a California high school teacher. He was uh, reportedly suspended from school in Brentwood, California. This is Heritage High School. And this story comes from the DailyMail.com. I think they're out of the University of Kentucky or, no, the, the United Kingdom. And so they report here that uh, Hurtado was suspended reportedly for poor attendance. Now, the story goes on to say that Hurtado was trying to balance his teaching career with a career as a travel agent. And I'm going to tell you that doesn't really work out because travel agents don't really work at night. You kind of want to knock that stuff out during the day. And so I imagine that the uh, balance wasn't working out too well. But that's not the 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 real problem for mr hurtado here 27 year old teacher history teacher shows up and goes to the high school football game now look you got poor attendance that doesn't mean you can make up for it and just show up at all the sporting events you still got to teach your class and friday nights are not for you mr hurtado you are to be doing your job between mondays and thursdays fridays are for the boys to focus I don't, I don't need my, my history teacher coming out here and telling my boys how to think about history and other subjects. I'm trying to watch him play a ball game. This ain't for you. You ain't the story, Mr. Hurtado. So Carlos runs out onto the track. In this video here, he's running around the track and evading the police. He's in a full suit. This is wild. He's wearing loafers. He's running around the track. No one can catch him. And I love my boys in blue out there. But I don't know if they were afraid to take him down. They didn't know what they were dealing with here. They evidently didn't know he was a teacher slash travel agent because I can't think of something that may be less imposing than that. They can't catch him. Well, guess who does? One of the high school football coaches, of course. And I think the law enforcement out there might need to watch this film, study it, Sit in the film study with the high school football team and you'll learn how to take this guy down. And you won't ever struggle again. So Carlos is running around the track like a madman. He's trying to get some hours in uh, out of the ones he's missed in school. And you see old coach here say, hey, here's a lesson. Boom! How about that shoulder? You think you're a travel agent? I'm going to take you on a trip to Paintown, Town, son. And then they get him. They apprehend him, and I don't think he will be teaching anymore, and I don't think he's going to be finding anybody good deals on their travel vacations. Don't interrupt the high school football game, especially if you're a teacher, okay? Know your place. Uh, Go run your laps when the game is not going on. Uh, Good luck to Carlos. I hope he's okay. He got hurtado at the football game. Moving even further west, in Maui. Y'all know about the fires going on out there. A lot of uh, high school sporting events have been ruined. They've been canceled. They've been postponed. They can't do them. Well, don't tell the Lahaina Luna high school football team that. Because according to ABC News, the Lahaina Luna high school football team is going wherever it can to practice ball. Uh, The team's school and field were destroyed during the blaze last month, according to ABC. Many of the players' homes were also damaged, but the players traveled more than an hour to K-I-H-E-I. Apologize if I'm not pronouncing that correctly. Um, But I love this. Malina Montgomery, a 16-year-old player, is on the team with his brother. That's pretty cool to get to play ball with your bro. And he told ABC News that uh, playing football is getting the team's mind off of all the the struggles that they're facing. And you see this from time to time. Uh, You see some things that rock a community and what does the high school football team do? They don't just make people forget about it. It's not just a distraction. It's a chance for people to remember that there is something normal about this town still. There's something great about this town still. Let's achieve that. Let's work towards that and be better. Molina says we're playing for them, all the Lahaina people. It feels good to play for them because we all lost something. Dean Rickard is the team's co-head coach, and he told ABC that uh, there might be some concern about whether or not the season would ever happen at all. But the team worked on it. They uh, modified their schedule, and they are practicing wherever they can, traveling up to an hour away to practice ball. Uh, Tamara Montgomery is Molina's mom. She says, in Lahaina, our community, it's all about the kids. Whether it's football, basketball, baseball, we HUI together or come together as one to support. I guess that's some Hawaiian. And for Lahaina, our football team plays a huge role in that. So just some great stories about persistence today. Some good, some bad. Uh, I'll choose the good ones to motivate myself today. Be more like Valdez out there in Colorado. Be more like the Lahaina Luna high school football team. They are going wherever they can uh, to keep things going, to keep their team going, because not every team out there can. So uh, be like them. Don't be like Mr. Hurtado. Things don't work out for you. Just try not to make a scene at the high school football game. All right, coming up there will be a scene at this high school football game. Coffee Town taking on Strong Birch. Let's go.
3: Coffee Town versus Strong Birch in the home opener. Time to feel the fangs. Ah! The snake pitch student section threw eggs at the Bears team bus when it rolled up. And we got some breaking news right here before the coin flip. Strong Birch starting quarterback, Frankston Jones, is allergic to eggs, and his window was wide open. He's broken out in hives and now he's being airlifted to Copper County Hospital. Our grade A's took out their QB. You gotta keep your head on a swivel when you roll up on the snake pit, son. Jones had offers from Georgia Southern and Troy, a real hot shot, and his backup is an eighth grader, Slick Brickman. Roster lists him at 5'6", 140 pounds, but well, they must've used a metric system, cause I don't see it. Ah, uh, yep, yeah, he just puked for the third time. This kid is shaking like a dog pushing out a peach pit. Little Brickman back there in the gun, he's lucky they're wearing dark pants. The snap goes over his head, and Mount Everest Michaels picks it up and scoops and scores. Michaels is 6'4", 370. He just blew up that middle schooler and rumbled into the end zone. That defensive score brought to you by Alley Money, defense attorney. Coffee Town's defense wins championships, and Alley Money's defense team wins it all, from separations two conservatorships contact Ally money and take your life back to the house today welcome back to the coffee town halftime show brought to you by big tire and it don't get much bigger than our academic athlete this week mount everest michaels 18 pounds at birth breaking the copper county record previously held by his daddy rocky mountain michaels son y'all ain't got a gene pool you got the whole pacific ocean your mama don't worry about grocery bills she's got whole grocery manifestos mount everest michaels eighth world wonder we're proud you're a copperhead. Man, you are thicker than a bowl of day old grits. Try not to hit your head on a low flying plane out there. We're gonna need you all year long, son. Okay, fourth quarter, Coffee Town up 23-15. Need a first down to run out the clock. Reptile Henderson, pump fakes. No one open, he's gonna take off. 20, 15, 10, and he's gonna slide at the three to keep the clock moving. Just a selfless play from Reptile to make sure we pick up the win. All these me guy TikTok stars and influencers out there, And Reptile just keeps his head down and thinks about the team first. A couple years ago, he would have backpedaled into the end zone and blew a kiss at Strong Birch's team moms. But tonight, he just put his hand up next to his ear hole and told them all to call him after the game. Growing up week by week, Coffee Town is one and one.
0: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. to start listening.
2: Our guest is a college football hall of famer, a first round NFL draft pick. You can hear him on college football Saturdays on the SEC network, calling games all over the Southeast and breaking it all down as part of the SEC now crew. But more importantly, he's a former Parkview Panther raised in the shadow of the Gwinnett is great water towers, just like me. He is Matt Stinchcomb. What's up, Stinch?
4: Man, what a great that's a iconic landmark. Gwinnett that's is impressed. great. The water power, yeah. I know it's it was uh, it was iconic anyway, but it was a gateway. That was the doorstep to the county. I remember driving in there past those things the first time and being like, I don't even we grew up in DeKalb County, so it was like Gwinnett County was the sticks. We used to make fun of the people with Gwinnett plates like they were a bunch of hicks. Well, <laughs> oh boy, that's changed, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of grown up. There's there's not as many chicken farms as there used to be in Gwinnett
3: County. <laughs> <It was laughs> uh, so tell me fun. about
2: Parkview High School, man. You were there. It was just the glory days, or at least the doorstep of the glory days, of one of the best programs in the state of Georgia's high school football history.
4: Yeah, it was definitely the doorstep. It, it might have been the sidewalk leading up to the, to the stoop before you even got to the doorstep because um, – We we grew up in Tucker, so um, Tucker High School was pretty darn good and had, uh, I think they had one state when I was still in grade school. And um, then mom started teaching in Gwinnett County at uh, Trickham Middle School, which was attached to Parkview High School at the time. And uh, they just laughed. All the people that we grew up with in DeKalb that they thought it was just a real hoot that we would choose to go to to Parkview High School. Because we by then we were playing football, John and I both, my younger brother and Parkview was not was not good at football, man. Um in my freshman year, my first year was Coach Mize's first year. He came over from Stone Mountain, he and Coach Flo together and um we won two ball games, uh lost eight and the only two we won were uh, was Duluth and uh, Berkmar. so we kept the green flag the the battle for the green flag uh the Lilburn championship vaunted. Um we hung on to that bad boy. That was that was a, that was a long year, man. That was we were not good.
2: We were uh we were bad. You know, a lot of times when you played Duluth it was like the battle of the white flag for them. Are they going to actually finish the game?
4: <laughs> well, Duluth, to this day, is the smallest high school in Gwinnett County. Yep. And uh, I think it was – that was true then even. They were that, – that year, my freshman year, I think I've got this right. They were a classification lower, whatever, smaller. If we were 4A, we were 8 quad A. We were 8 4A, and they were a 3A team, and they were one of our two wins my freshman <laughs> year. So part view became something, but at the time we were very close to nothing.
2: So you were playing varsity as a freshman.
4: Yes. That tells you yeah, that tells you how good we were, is that I was as a freshman, I was uh playing defensive end uh for for our varsity football team.
2: <laughs> so our freshman team, I was not on varsity. We had three guys that made it up to varsity. We went undefeated. Wow six game schedule. Okay. 6 and 0, oh, only team to ever do it. So the expectations are immediately astronomically high for this group of freshman guys cuz you're playing against a lot of the same competition you're going to play in varsity one day. And yeah. then my senior year we didn't even make the playoffs. Everybody everybody like either went to a different school, went out to the expansion schools or just uh didn't end up sticking with it. So that yeah. freshman year can kind of be an outlier, can can kind of be unfair. As you progressed through your career at Parkview, did you get to see it kind of grow, kind of have some of those early hallmarks of of what it could be?
4: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even that first year, I mean, they were – Coach Mize and Coach Flo were super uh, intentional. That whole staff was. and That staff kind of was in flux. They were still trying to figure it out. Um, who was on the staff, who should stay on the staff. They were getting the community more involved. That was maybe the coolest part was you could feel the community getting behind it and buying in, and they pushed down into the rec level the things that they were doing at the high school, which makes total sense. You know, might as well have these kids doing the stuff that you're going to – that they're eventually going to be doing in high school once they get up there. So uh, there's no sense in them running, you know, some air raid spread – you know, Frankenstein offense when you're going to end up in high school running, they call it the ed, the ed offense, um, where you got this, this wing back. Um, I don't know who runs the ed now, probably nobody, nobody ran it then either. Um, which maybe is why it worked. You know, it was kind of a curveball. but they might as well learn it. And, And so, uh, you could kind of see it building. They bought into it. They believed in it. Um, and so because of that, I think when the community got behind it, you could see it start to get better and guys that stuck with it. And, you know, we had the same type deal. I mean, we had guys that were kind of playground legends growing up that were better earlier. Um, and then, you know, you hit ninth and tenth grade year and they just didn't get any better. You know, they were awesome. They were all – we had guys that were going to be – look, they were going to play in the NFL. There was a decent chance they'd be like – the sixth man in the NBA somewhere for some team and play all-star level baseball
0: in the major leagues,
4: just amazing athletes. They could do it all in anything and everything. And by ninth grade, I mean, they just, half of them weren't even playing sports anymore. And you just think, wow, that's, but that's true of every ballpark across the country, right? You got these guys that are great. Hey, good for them, but they kind of tap out and you know, the slugs that were just kind of, goobing around and just happy to, you know, figure out, you know, to put their jersey on right. Um, Maybe they hit a growth spurt. Next thing you know, they're still playing ball.
2: Well, uh, you know, the difference now is a lot of those kids in counties like Gwinnett, I won't single out Gwinnett, uh, all their dads assume that they will be in the NFL, <laughs> whether they're slugs or not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Tell me about a, uh, a home game at Parkview. I've been to a couple of them. It's an insane atmosphere, what was it like when you were playing?
4: yeah, the big orange jungle I mean that, that I will say the cool part is we were not a great football team for you know a chunk of the time while I was there. um We made the playoffs the last two years, I want to say, but the first two we were just you know the second year we were happy to start winning games. I think we went like six and four maybe or something and um that big orange jungle thing got going. They put the big billboard out in the, in the parking lot near Cole road there. And uh, I can remember our, in fact, the guy I'm, I'm wearing his shirt in memory of him, Roy Massey, the chief he's been, at, he was at Parkview forever past um, just this past year. And um, he, uh, I can remember him toting these telephone poles. They They bought these telephone poles from somebody. I don't know what, and they were cutting them and those things are soaked in creosote and that stuff will burn you apparently the chemical will burn the stew out of you well they were cutting it and coach Massey who was he was 80 years old for like 40 years <laughs> and he was out there cutting and he was just country strong he would take he would put one of those poles that they'd cut down and put one on one shoulder and one on the other shoulder and it was i mean it took four guys Gosh. to tote the other ones but he didn't have a shirt on and it burned the stew out of – his skin was all rashed up and burnt. I think he had to go to the hospital, which is crazy because he's made out of, like, cast iron. But that's where they built that that uh, billboard, and they put the big orange jungle on there, and we started winning games. And that was a lot of fun. They uh my junior year, uh, we had this tight end. He was a really good player named Robbie Moore. Um, and he, for some reason in practice, would uh, – he would he, he would be petting an imaginary chicken. He would hold what looked like an imaginary, I don't know why. He was crazy. And he'd ask Coach Mice, Coach, must have been sophomore year, I guess. Had to have been. Coach, coach, come over here. You, you want to pet the chicken? And Coach <laughs> Mice would just looking at him like, Dad come, what's wrong with you, boy? <laughs> well, somehow that caught on and the cheerleaders would put on the banner instead of like go Panthers or uncage the Panther, you know, or whatever they put on banners. It said fear the chicken and it had a huge rooster (laughs) and uh, it just kind of caught fire and the fans got into it and my stepdad went and got a rooster and we live in the suburbs. This isn't, you can't have barnyard animals at your house, especially one that crows, and uh, he went and got a rooster and he had it tied to the chain link fence in our backyard. And that idiot rooster, he didn't know sun up from sundown. He'd crow whenever. <laughs> and the neighbors hated our guts. But we had, it. so we had a live mascot. We were the Panthers, but our mascot was a, was a chicken, was a rooster because of Robbie Moore's crazy butt. But for some reason, just people got behind it and uh, fans got into it. And we put it on the banner and, and we
2: made the, I think we made the playoffs that year and lost to Clark Central. That was like the War Eagle of Parkview. Y'all just had an alternate <laughs> mascot. It
4: was. Yeah, That's right. You know what? That's a great point. We already hijacked Clemson's, all their insignia. I don't yeah. know how we get away with it. That paw is definitely Clemson's paw. It even has that little crook out of the, 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 whatever heel of the Panther's foot. <laughs> so we jacked that for sure. There's gotta be some infringement somewhere. And uh, and then we stole Auburn's idea of having multiple mascots. There
2: you go. And it's a bird, too. It is uh, a bird. Who was Parkview's main rival, and why were they the worst?
4: Uh, the main rival was Brookwood, and still is, and they are still the worst. Um, even though there's good people there, they've been able to overcome the environment. I would say to us, that was a rivalry. Brookwood beat us so regularly that I'm not sure they thought it was a rivalry. And a lot of it stemmed from they used our stadium. They didn't have their own stadium. So I think their home games for however many years they'd play it at Parkview. I think I got this right. And um you know, and then they, you know, you could beat it's it's a sad day. Um, was it it's a poor dog that won't fight in his own backyard, and it's we would uh we would lose at home to Brookwood in our own stadium. And it would be like a Brookwood home game. I think, I think that's how it would work. Some kind of kooky way like that. And then eventually they built that palace out there and they had like the little chalet in the corner of the end zone. We hated that. We thought that was, it was a cool idea, but since they did it, it was stupid. Oh yeah. Just, yeah. This is a bunch of snooters down there. Meanwhile, you know, our our dads are over there freezing their tails off <laughs> in late-season games, cooking hamburgers, just cussing about what, who knows what, where's our chalet. But, but it was – y'all
2: had Welcome to the Jungle to come out to oh, yeah. Guns N' Roses and all that, oh, yeah. they didn't have that.
4: Yeah, they didn't have that. Yeah, what do they do? I mean, is it Wild Horses or something by whoever sang that? I don't even know,
2: but somebody. Uh, I, I think know. it's the Rolling Stones. But still not as fun. Nowhere yeah. near as cool.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who needs – who needs the Rolling Stones when you got GNR? I mean,
3: honestly,
2: <laughs> uh, so you're as Rose? a freshman. Obviously, uh, the O-line career worked out for you. What other did you play? Any other sports, and and what numbers did you wear when you were in high school?
4: Uh, I tried to. I was going to play basketball, and uh, my freshman year, and we went to Georgia basketball camp, and I can remember. Chewing, I don't know how many ibuprofen a day because my knees were killing me. Of course, I was still growing, you know. And um we ran Coach Richardson is a great basketball coach. Part of you had great basketball, um, great baseball, great soccer, great basketball, doo doo football for my first year and a half, we'll call it, before we figured it out. Um, and Coach Richardson ran, I don't know what he called it, but it was like a motion offense. And that was not conducive for my body type. So um I didn't, I never made it to the season. I I opted out. I hit the transfer portal and said, I don't think, I don't think this is for me. Um, And so the only other sport I did at Parkview was track and field. So I threw the shot, put in discus and I did so very poorly. Um, I could not, I could not stay in the ring. I was not a, uh, we had a guy in front of me who was awesome. He was all state. He won state one year, Todd Davis. Um, he played – he was the other defensive end my first two years, I guess, uh, playing at Bartview, And he taught me a lot of stuff on and off the field. And he, uh, he was a great thrower, and I very much was not. But it was something to do in the springtime. I mean, I yep. showed up at the meets. We didn't forfeit any points. We never got any points, but we never forfeited any either.
2: Yeah, I mean, track was always a, a natural thing. They tried to get us to wrestle, and I was like, dude, I – my my arms are almost as long as my legs right now. I'm going to break both of them. Y'all don't need me out there. And track, yeah. that was just a thinly veiled encouragement that you run track or at least go work out with the track team. And no one ever wanted to be there.
4: No. Well, and here's the thing is that I get why they had most of the skill guys and the athletes, you know, but the big guys like, you know, we didn't run. Yeah. So all we would do is just go over there you know, you know, tell lies and throw the shot put every once in a while, sit down, suck down about seven fun size Snickers, get up, throw the (laughs) shot put a little bit more, decide that's about enough and then go home. (laughs) And it was not a, but and maybe that's why we stunk. uh, Or at least I stunk. Todd was good, but yeah, uh, yeah, we didn't do much running fat man relay every once in a while just for kicks, but that wasn't for points.
2: We didn't have Snickers. I, I probably would have stuck with it a little longer if we had had that. But uh, we yeah. did like the track girls. Like the track girls were like the most athletic. Everybody wanted to go see the track girls and and uh, work out uh, with them. And and that was kind of an excuse to get We them
4: admire their athleticism, too. right? Naturally, yeah, yeah.
2: They were very yeah. athletic. Um, um, all right. So stench, when I say, oh, what numbers did you wear? Did you, did you wear the same number you did in college?
4: No, I was uh 78 they just gave me a number. Well, I lo- and I love number 78. I thought that was an awesome one. And then in college they gave me 79 and I like I love 79 too. That was Steve Roberts' number. I remember he was from Dalton and he played as a freshman and I thought Steve Roberts was just it and he was a tough guy and played a long time so I thought, "Man, I get 79." <laughs> um so that was cool and then so I never—I don't think I ever. The only number I ever picked was when I went to Tampa Bay, and I had a chance to get seventy-eight again. And so I went and grabbed it. I was seventy-four with the Raiders. I hated number seventy-four I, from the get-go, um, which was a mistake. You should never form an opinion on something you can't control, but I did, <laughs> and uh, I hated it all five years. I still hate it. Um, but seventy-eight was my number in high schools. My number in uh, rec ball too. I want to say so. It just kind of got lucky. I got to hang on to it. But I was 62 one year, I want to say. Ooh, 62. Yeah. That's I was 55 my first year. And I didn't realize just how good I had it. I mean, 55 is a great number. And then I was like 62. I think I was 64 one year. I hate, 64. I hate 64. I hate all the
2: 60s. Yeah. Well, you don't really. like the ones that end in four and, and 60. Yeah. No, no winners with 60s. <laughs> I
4: mean, I'm sure there's some darn good ones out there. I just can't think of any. You know, Darmani Dawson, he was pretty awesome. Uh, you know, Dwight Stevenson. There, there's some great ones that uh, that wore 60 numbers, but I can't. Yeah, you know, it didn't, it didn't look good on me. I didn't think I was more of a 78, 79 kind of guy.
3: Yeah,
2: I think that suits you better for sure. Um, all right. When I say high school, I think you may have already answered this, but maybe there's somebody else. Who's the first coach that comes to mind for you, or maybe even a teacher that Just has that story that either inspired you, kind of molded you, or still just makes you chuckle? Uh, uh, it makes you chuckle. I mean, there's a lot of them.
4: I, I, there's a lot of them. I remember growing up in Tucker and T. McFerrin, who's in the high school Hall of Fame, Coaches Hall of Fame, and should be. Um, he was like a legend. Even to the, we were just, we weren't even watching the game. You know, you're running around in Adams Stadium and, um, you know, you just want to get more popcorn and try not to bust your teeth out on the concrete steps. I mean, nobody was really watching the game. But T. McFerrin was like a bigger than larger than life kind of guy even then. Um, so that was I never played for him and only got to meet him you know, years after I was done playing. You know, Coach Mize was huge uh, because um, he believed in you, believed in me and would say that, told me. Um, and he was kind of a hard guy. I mean, he had an edge to him coach Flo, Um, cause he's the one that, uh, it was his decision to play me as a freshman. Uh, so he definitely thought he saw something that I didn't know was, he saw something in me that I didn't think was there, but, um, you know, I was kind of a do as do as you're told kind of kid. Um, but the characters, my gosh. Um, I mean, coach Massey was, was a character in his own right. Um, Our offensive line coach, Jerry Stewart, was a hysterical man. He would he had all kinds of different uh, isms and phrases, but one of my favorites that sticks to me with me to this day is um, (laughs) we had a guy. He's actually a good friend of mine. I'm not going to say his name, but he had a propensity to jump off sides. He was a good player, played in college, but just would not get the snap count, wouldn't remember it, and – uh, Coach Stewart was just done with him, and uh, he said, uh, "Fill in the blank. If you do that, if you do that again, you will become what I call biblical. Where I am, there you shall also be on the sideline." <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, <laughs> "No one's ever gotten trolled with scripture better." Uh, so that was a, that was one of many things he would sing. Uh, he would sing like these old '60s songs. Uh, he just was—he was a goofball. He was such a goofball. He was fun to play for. It was hard to get serious at practice because he was just so funny. But stuff like that, he burped stuff like that up all the time.
2: I—I I mean, I always felt like the O lineman I played with. I was a tight end, and was—I probably had the speed of a tackle, but I could actually catch. So that was the only reason I stayed there, I think.
4: Yeah. The O-line
2: – what's that?
4: Yeah, I was going to say, you are honorary O-linemen.
2: Yeah, oh, for sure. But I, I always love the high school O-linemen, whether they played or not, because I feel like every single one of them was funny. So to have a coach that is also funny, it you know they have a good sense of humor, and they're kind of self-deprecating. Yeah, we're not getting any of the attention, but we're doing all the work. Yeah. And to have a coach that's funny, that had to be like a great – chemistry for all you guys
4: it was perfect i mean we had so many funny guys that were uh we had a guy uh, my freshman year andy lewis and anyway he i don't know what he had for lunch but it was ready to it was ready to get out and um (laughs) (laughs) watching him run off that field and then uh coaches are like where are you going he didn't ask permission it was like dead in the middle of a drill and he was he was getting out of there, man. And the way he was running was the way you would run, of course. It's hard to clench <laughs> and run at the same time. And uh from he spent probably the rest of the season devising different forms of undergarments that would facilitate that need um when it is most dire. Drawstrings and, and all kinds of elastic that would come Please. in his oh yeah. <laughs> and was he was kind of like a cartoonist and so he would he would mock up these uh you would draw up what it would look like. Draw screen drawers and stuff. It's <laughs> like, that's a, this standard operating procedure in the no-line room.
2: Yeah, just a bunch of engineers and guys who had to go to the bathroom all the time.
4: A bunch of oversized nerds is what we were. Just yep. a bunch of big, well-fed nerds.
2: What was the best moment in your high school career? Hmm... Uh,
4: You know, I would think uh, beating Norcross my senior year, they had a really good team. Um, And they had a really good team the previous year. Gosh, I want to say they went to the semis maybe, and they had Juan Daniels and Marseille Simpson and Terrence McCaskey. And, oh, gosh, who else? I mean, John England at quarterback. Um, So that was a big moment. I don't know that – would that be my favorite? I mean, we – we went to uh, Charlie Williams for the first time ever, you know, the old restaurant over there in Athens. Uh, Yeah. Was it Charlie Williams Pinecrest Lodge or something? It was like a very long unnecessary name for a restaurant in the woods. And we went there, we played Cedar Shoals. Cedar used to be in our conference or division or whatever region for some reason. I don't know why. And, um, God, I can't remember the guy's name, Kiki Wright maybe or something. They had a running back that we just either decided or couldn't tackle one or the other. So we didn't win, but we got to go to Charlie Williams afterwards. And um, that's one of my favorite memories because it was like the whole team went. I mean, it would have be, been kind of cool if we won the game. Um, but we still had a big time because uh, all the parents went. We took buses over there, like real buses, not – big, uh, uh, not like a school bus, but like no actual, TV screens. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, like a Greyhound type bus. I don't think I'd ever been on a bus like that before. So that was, it was just kind of cool. Um, the other one, this was just, I thought this was such a boss move until we lost by 30. <laughs> we, we, uh, my, my freshman year, um, Brookwood, we're playing at Brookwood and they, there was something going on where they weren't going to give us access to the visitors' locker room. Uh-huh. I can't remember why, but they were jerking us around basically. And it ticked Coach Mize off so bad that he just said, fine, we're going to warm. So what we did is we warmed up. We did the entire pregame, everything at, our, at home, in at our stadium. And then in full dress, I mean, other than full dress, full uniform, Except for our helmets, we got on the bus and we bust, hustled on over there, and right before kickoff, we, we our captains walked off the buses straight to midfield to do the coin toss. People were in the stands like, "Are they not going to show?" Which back then they probably were like, "Hey, they you know chickened out; they're not even going to come." Mm-hmm. But it was, it was because Coach Miles was like, "You know, you're going to stick it to us." Nah, we'll just – we'll get our warm-up in, and then we'll just show up right for kick. And then, you know, I think they beat us by 30. So we, <laughs> it's too bad. It would have been really – the punchline of that story would be a lot cooler if we said – and then we went out there and upset those clowns, but they, they put it on us. Um, but I still thought it was a boss move because he was like, nah, we're not going to be stretching out in the corner like a bunch of wreck football players. We'll just – that was we would not suffer that indignity. By golly, that will only happen on the scoreboard.
2: No, I still think that's awesome. That makes me think of uh, the longest yard. Yeah, yeah. But y'all, y'all didn't have uh, Herschel.
4: Uh, we did not, and uh, thankfully, we didn't have as many uh, convicts.
2: That's also a great point. Hard yep. to win. You got to. There's a fine line to your convict and non-convict ratio. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, you, you mentioned the the team meal sticking out. We yeah. played. They did like this Gwinnett County, South Georgia Invitational thing for a little bit when I was playing, and um, when I say playing, I mean when I was on the team, and we went and played at. Gosh, where what was it? We played. At Lounge High School, but we played Tiff County. So it was like a big like they just hosted all the games. Oh, okay. Yeah. But we went and ate at some Western Sizzlin in the middle of nowhere. Uh like people were fishing in this pond behind the Western Sizzlin, mm-hmm. wherever it was, but we ate the best meal we've ever had. Ever. You know, hey, normally it was like rubber chicken and house salad and a uh, roll, you know. Yeah, but we had like the full buffet. And that's probably why we lost. And <laughs> South, South Georgia at that time really did have the upper hand on Gwinnett County. I think now it's more of they a do. fair fight. But yeah. something about those pregame meals that are on the road that are a little bit different, it does stick with you. I don't know what yeah. it is.
4: Yeah. We, Uh, my, one of my favorite pregame meals ever in college, actually not favorite, but the one that's most memorable, we played at Auburn. This is, I'm jumping to college now. I probably shouldn't do that. Anyway. Bottom line was, yeah, the pregame meals were, especially on the road, could always be a little bit interesting. We all ate a bunch of ham sandwiches that we thought were ham sandwiches that were actually turkey sandwiches. You can imagine how that went. That was – there was a whole lot of weight loss that night. They uh, were not so sure that they wanted some some home cooking in the worst kind of way. You know, When you're yeah. playing and on the road, next thing you know, the visiting team has food poisoning, rampant food poisoning from the – turkey sandwiches that look like ham sandwiches
2: yeah it's funny how that works out
4: yeah i mean and what's crazy is i don't know the people that stuff very much goes on i mean there's all kinds of stupid shenanigans that you think yeah there's a reason why you got to bring your own food half the time yeah connect the dots don't get get the local hotel to cater your pre-game meal
2: yeah ask michael jordan about that man
4: ah he played
2: pretty well that game He did all
4: right. The one versus the jazz, yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah, he rallied nicely.
2: So, Stinch, wrapping up here, ask everybody this. Give me a few songs from your pregame playlist. What were you listening to to get fired up back in the day?
0: Mm.
4: Uh,
2: uh,
4: Always listened to um, On the Way to School, which was less than maybe half a mile. So it was basically a one-song trip. Uh, and I had an 87 K five blazer with wild country tires on it. 22s
2: really sweet, sweet setup, man. What color?
4: Black. Oh man. Black on black. Uh, the roof never been taken off. So the seal still held up, you know, it rain and you'd still be dry. It was fantastic. And, um, uh, I would listen to Allison chains wood. Um, that has an awesome baseline. And, uh, Lane Staley's one of the. He's one of the greatest scream singers, second only to Chris Cornell of Soundgarden, I would say, who can actually sound good and be just hollering at the top of his lungs. Yeah, I would what say a talent, that man! Yeah, it re- genuinely is. And um, I thought Wood Wood was probably my favorite, and then you know the the uh, obligatory. If for some reason I hit a – you know, there was a backup at the old three-way stop, then uh, I might have to sneak into, you know, Metallica or ACDC. But the Allison Chains wood was a go-to for for high school.
2: That does not disappoint, man. That's kind of kind of what I would have expected maybe. You would have had a oh, well. little little edge to you.
4: <laughs> you could see me with the, the edgy grunge. Oh, yeah. I had my, my little – my stocking hat on and <laughs> maybe a flannel shirt tied around my waist. I, hey,
2: man. I, it's the I never went
4: for the look. I, I didn't go for the look, but I did I did like the music.
2: Stinch, uh, I appreciate your time, dude. Your, your storytelling is impeccable. Where can people find more Matt Stinchkin this football season?
4: Uh, well, uh, I'll be on the SEC Network again this fall. We'll do uh, – Tuesday nights, eventually, once the season starts. Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock, maybe. I don't, I'm not real sure. Probably 7 o'clock on SEC Network. We'll do the SEC Now show, hour-long show. I think it's going to be me. I don't know if I'm – who cares? I think it's me and uh, another uh, Georgia high school uh, uh, player from uh, Washington County, Takiyo Spikes, yep. great Auburn football player. So, me and Takiyo will be holding it down this year. And then Saturdays um, – We'll be doing an SEC game somewhere. Hopefully get a couple of dogs games. Given the schedule, I'm willing to bet we'll get more than a handful. You might have
2: four or five.
4: <laughs> I might be the We might be the television broadcast network for the Georgia Bulldogs <laughs> this year.
2: <laughs> appreciate it, Stinch. Always a pleasure, man. Uh, I'll see you in Athens at some point, I bet.
4: Yeah, buddy. I appreciate it, Wes. This was fun, man.
2: Man, I love that from Stinch. God gets it. He understands what this show is all about. Having a great time, looking down memory lane, having fun, celebrating how weird high school football can be, but also how amazing it is and how we hope it never goes away. Thank you all for listening to Go Fight Win. Uh, Help preserve what we love about high school football by sharing this show, letting people know that uh, it's a place to get inspired. It's a place to laugh. It's a place to hear some great stories. And that's what we're going to deliver each and every week this high school football season. Go Fight Win drops every Thursday wherever you find your shows. Everywhere except for, you know, a ham radio, uh, record player, stuff like that. If that's all you got, well, you're not listening to this anyway. You're out of luck. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back next Thursday. Peace. (laughs)